We thank you, our God, this morning. As I know, I can share from Pastor Isaac's heart also. We thank you for letting us be here. For giving us the wonderful privilege of handling your word, impacting lives as best we can, and then seeing you do the great work that you do in the lives and hearts of people. We praise you, God. We thank you that you are the discerner and determiner of hearts and people's lives in a way that you have awakened us from the dead and brought us into life. And we're grateful for the power of your word and how it affects people's lives and how individuals are drawn to you because it is by your spirit that uses your word to reach the hearts of people. Not only is it a wonderful blessing, but there are times when we tremble because we are to handle it well. And I'm grateful. I'm grateful, Lord, for the encouragement of words and smiles and we trust that we are handling your word well it is with great pleasure this morning Lord that we can remember individuals of our congregation who have have recently been through the mill of being ill we rejoice in the news of hearing about Zoe Hollenbach who the doctors were able to determine what her intestinal tract issue is all about. And even though she loves to have dairy products, and yet that's the problem, I, I pray God that you would allow her mom and dad and her family to help her to adjust to things that will not be irritable to her. And I thank you, God, for the Hollenbach family the opportunity we have to minister here to them in a way that they're here to minister to us. Lord, we also thank you for the healing process of Evelyn Campbell. And though hospitalized with, again, a health issue, I'm thankful that she's home and is healing well. And as we have opportunity to minister to her, May she, O oh Lord, just sense the, the joy of, of a family that comes around her and Marlon to support them and pray for them and also to help provide for them. We're grateful for them. My heart, too, goes out to a, a young lady that few of us in the congregation know about. I'm sure many don't know, but uh, we pray for uh, Marcy Snyder. She had a procedure done on Friday, and, and, and I pray, God, that that procedure would add to her quality of life. The battle that she's in with ALS, known as Lou Gehrig's disease, is 
is a battle that it's been proven that she will not win. But we're grateful, Lord, that she knows you. And the ultimate healing that she will have will be in your presence. But in the meantime, I, I pray for her. I, I ask, Lord, for strength for her and for her, her husband, Greg. We know that just most recently, uh, Marcy had, uh, her son was killed in a, a motorcycle accident. And, and that just was, was devastating to her. I pray, God, that you would help her and encourage her. Use your word that she faithfully reads. Use your word to bring comfort to her. And allow her the privilege, Lord, to maybe not fully understand, but just to trust you in all situations of life. And so, God, thank you. We thank you for this morning, and especially as we look into your word. Your word is powerful and sharp. It is a blessing for all of life. Even when we deal with issues that we don't like to deal with, I thank you that your word is complete. And in every aspect of it, we can trust you. And so, Lord, help us this morning to speak clearly and strongly. And also, Lord, may our ears be open to what your spirit would teach us today. And for this, we will thank you and praise you in your name. Amen. I would like to begin by reading for you a, a couple of things that will help us to understand what we will be dealing with this morning. I begin by reading this statement. We, the people of the United States, in order to form a more perfect union, establish justice, secure domestic tranquility, provide for the common defense, promote the general welfare, and secure the blessings of liberty to ourselves and our prosperity. Do ordain and establish this Constitution of the United States of America. That's the preamble to the Constitution. Even in our Pledge of Allegiance to the American flag, we have this phrase where it says, liberty and justice for all. Now turn with me, if you will, to Romans chapter 13. Romans chapter 13, the preamble to the Constitution and the closing phrase of the Pledge of Allegiance have something in common. Romans chapter 13, verses 1 to 7. Let every soul be subject to the governing authorities. For there is no authority except from God, and the authorities that exist are appointed by God. Therefore, whoever resists the authority resists the ordinance of God, and those who resist will bring judgment on themselves. 
For rulers are not a terror to good works, but to evil. And do you want to be unafraid of the authority? And do what is good, and you will have praise from the same. For he is God's minister to you for good, but if you do evil, be afraid. For he does not bear the sword in vain. He is God's minister, an avenger to execute wrath on him who practices evil. Therefore, you must be subject, not only because of wrath, but also for conscience' sake. For because of this, you also pay taxes. Hmm. For they are God's ministers attending continually to do this very thing. Render therefore to all their due, taxes to whom taxes are due, customs to whom customs, fear to whom fear, honor to whom honor. The overriding theme of the preamble of the Constitution the last phrase of the Pledge of Allegiance and Romans chapter 13 is this. What does God, what does the Word of God have to say about civil government? What they have in common is this, is justice. The word justice is defined this way. It means to prescribe the right way to do things in an appropriate way. Deuteronomy 1.17 is a verse that Moses is sharing. He is speaking to the leaders of the tribes. They are about ready to come back to the entrance of the promised land. And Moses is reminding them of everything that they did to prevent them from going into the promised land the first time. And now he is warning them about things they must do in order to go in the promised land this time. And in chapter 1 of, verse, uh, of Deuteronomy, Moses is sharing the fact that each one of the tribes will have a governor. He'll appoint individuals to watch over thousands, hundreds, tens, and then some even less. But he says in verse 17, he says, You shall not show partiality in judgment. It will be justice. And social justice is the rule of God's moral law in society. In fact, the only way social justice can become a reality is when God's standard prevails in a society. This means that in order to be a just and right, the laws of men must testify and reflect to the truth of God. Some of the laws that we have come directly from God's word. You shall not kill. You shall not steal. Those two in particular are part of the justice program that we have. 
And you, already you're probably thinking, well, how far have we gotten away from, from those? Well, I would agree, and I trust that by the time we finish, we may have some kind of an answer to what is our responsibility. In reality, justice has to do with equity in judgment without regard for a person's status. What's amazing that throughout Scripture, throughout Scripture, God has declared that he does not show partiality in his judgments. And he is no respecter of persons. Each one, the only way to come to God is through the level ground that surrounds the cross of Jesus Christ. It's by his blood that was shed, whereby every man, woman, boy, girl, may have access, the same access, to the wonders and the glory of God. He didn't make it easier for some. He didn't make it difficult for others. He just said, through the words of Jesus, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but by me. Well, we've defined justice. Now, at least let's have a demonstration of justice. How is our, excuse me, how is our society going to know what God's law is and how it is supposed to function? Yesterday, my wife and I, we, we traveled north to see Mom. Five hours up. Two hours lunch, five hours back. Leave at six in the morning, get home at six at night. You do the math. But as I'm driving up Route 81, I'm I'm sure none of you have felt this way. But as I'm driving up Route 81, I look at my rearview mirror. And I commented to Nancy, I think the person behind me wants to drive my vehicle. They were that close. I think they were counting the hairs of my head. Then I caught a glimpse of their license plate, New Jersey. Ah, I got it. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. But, But how is our society supposed to know what it is that God has in his word concerning government? I think a, a great verse to go to, in fact, a dem- go to Deuteronomy chapter 4. Again, Moses is speaking, and he is still instructing the nation of Israel and things that they must do. Verses 5 through eight. Surely I have taught you statutes and judgments, just as the Lord my God commanded me, that you should act 
according to them in the land which you go in to possess. Therefore, be careful to observe them. For this is your wisdom and your understanding in the sight of the peoples who will hear all of these statues and say, Surely this great nation is wise and understanding people. For what a great nation is there that has God so near to it as the Lord our God is to us? For whatever reason, we may call upon him. And what great nation is there that has such statutes and righteous judgments as are in this law which I set before you this day? Unbelievers will know what true justice looks like when the people of God demonstrate his moral law in society. Do a little inventory of your life. I don't hunt, or nor do I fish, and I'm not against it, believe me. But no one in my family likes wild game or fish. The only fish that gets into our house is Mrs. Paul's fish, fish sticks. And it's only because it's something you can just throw in the oven. Wild game and fish don't make it into my house. But those of you that partake in that, I'm, I'm, I'm pleased to hear of your stories. But when it comes to the time of when you're only allowed to catch, let's say, six trout, do you just happen to catch two more and throw them in the cooler and hope no one catches you? If you are able to take down a buck or a doe, do you maybe once in a while go over the limit? I know none of you speed. I'll leave that to the Holy Spirit. But how is our society to know the laws of God, if we as a church, we even neglect them ourselves? Do we find ourselves cutting corners in order to make it easier? <laughs> you caught that I hesitated in Romans chapter 13, especially verse 6. We pay taxes. <laughs> but how many of us like to hedge on that? and say, well, they won't really know. I won't proclaim this on my taxes. We as a church, as we have gone through this part of our series of what the Bible has to say, we've recognized the fact that it all begins with a strong personal government. It's not of how much I have of Jesus. It's how much does Jesus have of me? Am I really a disciple of Jesus Christ? That leads to good and godly. Praise the Lord. Amen. From whom all blessings flow. When I was in 
Arizona. One of these never left my side. Thank you, my dear. Thank you so much. Now, where was I, honey? I'm glad you're paying attention. Thank you, baby. (laughs) But strong, personal government leads to strong family government. Husbands and wives and children have biblical standards that they are to hold to. And when that is strong, then we have strong churches because we're following the precepts of God's law. And then if we're following the precepts of God's law and living that out, then the world out there, just like Moses is saying, they will see you and they'll be amazed of how great your God is. And that's what we're dealing with this morning, the demonstration of justice. Are we as kind to our neighbor as we are to the checkout lady at Wise Market? Are we as patient with our neighbor as we are with the person that the light has changed from red to green and they don't move. The demonstration of justice. But there is a standard of justice also. And it is this. In order to have a just society, we must be able to appeal to a standard of justice and morality that is outside of and higher than human experience. One that does not flutter or fluctuate with every change in the wind of opinion. I can remember, and maybe some of you also, I can remember when, if you didn't get gas on Saturday, you weren't getting gas on Sunday. I remember if you didn't have groceries in the house on Saturday, you weren't getting groceries on Sunday. Now, does that mean because gas stations and McDonald's are now open on Sunday that it's evil? No, I'm, I'm just saying that the opinion has changed. God's word has never changed. But man's opinion of it has. But the one thing is that God's word doesn't flutter or fluctuate with society. Society is to fluctuate with God's word. And so the only standard that meets these qualifications is the Bible. Because it is the authoritative inerrant word of God. And so the only way you can have an ordered society is to base it on a moral code. And the moral code is based upon God who is the ultimate moral life giver. 
James 4.12 says there is one lawgiver. Whenever human beings come to believe, there is no higher authority to whom he is responsible, then we are in trouble. Righteousness is the cornerstone of justice. And in Psalm 89, verse 14, it says, Righteousness and justice are the foundation of your throne. So if you want a just society, there must be a standard to determine what is right and wrong. And God's word is the standard. So that brings us to this. What are the expectations of believers to civil government? We read Romans chapter 13. But before we go into what this passage has to say about our responsibilities, I want to bring something from a historical fact that maybe many of you already know. Maybe some of you don't. It is this. All of the New Testament, from Matthew to the book of the Revelation, was written by individuals who were under Roman law. Rome ruled the world. There were some Caesars who took great pleasures in making of Christians a sport. There were some Caesars who despised the people of God and wanted to wipe them out. And yet here we come to Romans chapter 13. And at the very first verse, Paul says, be subject to those in authority. Why would he write such a thing as that when he himself was going to be beheaded by Roman government and he knew it? Why? Because Romans is a wonderful book and when you pick up chapter 12, the key is this. Present yourselves a living sacrifice to God. Why? So that you may know what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. In other words, our lives, whether we like it or not, is to be a witness to our society of what it is to follow God's word. We can't get away from it. Oh, we can. We can falter, and it has happened. But we are called to a higher authority, and it is what God says. So in Romans chapter 13, the first thing is, is we are to be subject to governing authorities. That word subject literally means, if you will, slaves. We have no other recourse. 
Now, don't go ahead of me here because some of you are already thinking in your mind, well, what happens if the government says this and this and this and it goes against the word of God? What are we supposed to do? Uh, I'll get to that. I'll get to that. But we are to be subject. We are to honor God in being subject to governing authorities. And here's one we like to. We're to pay taxes for the services rendered by civil government. I would even dare say, according to this passage, that if you complain paying taxes, you're complaining against God. Be careful. I can show you a lot of passages in Scripture where individuals who began to complain against God, and it didn't turn out well. First Timothy chapter two, one to two, we are to pray for those in authority. In Titus chapter three, one to two, again we are to be subject to rulers and authorities. We are to obey these same leaders. And then first Peter two. 13 to 17, we are to honor the Lord by submitting ourselves to the ordinances of man, especially those in leadership. In our actions of honoring the Lord, we put to silence the ignorance of foolish men. So what does this all mean? In closing, this is a lengthy quote but it's good to read the job of government is to function as an instrument of God's justice but once government no longer sees itself as God's agent under his authority it becomes its own humanistic institution and whatever the majority thinks guides the decisions or else decisions are made by those who have the most power in either case, the result cannot be a just society. So what are we to do? We are to get involved. And how do we do that? Well, there's a number of things that you can do. First of all, you can run for office. Dog catcher is coming up, I think, pretty soon. You got to start somewhere. Run for office. Write write letters to your leaders. Oh, this won't make any difference. Yes, it does. One Senate leader said, "If we get three, only three letters. If we get three letters from our constituents, we better pay attention to what they're writing about." But he said, sadly, we get none. We can vote according to the principles of the word of God. That's why we get voters' guides. Because now you can see how is it individuals think concerning issues. 
that are according to the Word of God. And lastly, we can pray. God is the one who raises up and takes down leaders. He's the one who strengthens and he can also destroy nations. So we can pray that God would give to us leaders who would be sensitive to the Word of God. And if not, if some of you wish to run for presidency, I'll vote for you because I know where your heart is. And definitely, I think you would make much more impact in Washington, D.C. than what we've ever felt in the last decade. Civil government is not a curse. It is a blessing of God for justice. The key is, as a church, both corporately and individually, are we living our lives for a showcase of God's justice to our society? That is what we need to be doing. Let's pray together. Father, thank you. Thank you for what you have given to us as a nation. You've given to us a government that is to be based upon justice. And even when it doesn't seem that justice is being handed out, we fall on your mercy. Grant, O oh Lord, please, as we as your people, we would determine to be that witness of what it is, the justice of God in the midst of our society that is clamoring for truth. May you, O oh Lord, be our vision as we tell others about you. And we'll praise you and thank you in your name. Amen.